This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on YouTube. And I'm looking forward to having Kim introduce the show today. We have an awesome guest. Welcome, and let's have some fun. All right. Thank you, Tulio. So yes, good afternoon, everyone. And thank you for joining us once again on Dojo Live today, Wednesday, the 2nd of October, 2019. I cannot believe it's October already. Um, here at Dojo Live, we like to co-create the future of workplace diversity by sharing and learning from the stories and experiences of tech luminaries. So my name is Kim, Kim Lantis, and I'm broadcasting from one of Nearsoft's offices in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico. And joining me along with Tulio is Carlos Ponce. Hey, Carlos. Hi, Kim. Hey. So today's guest uses intention with integrity as a one-prong approach for success in the tech and entertainment industries. He's here to tell us how he does this. And please welcome CEO of the tech and entertainment entertainment company, Seventh Planet, Eric Pasoja. Did I get that right, Eric? You got it. Excellent. So welcome to Dojo Live. Thank you. It's great to be here. Perfect. So, Eric, you are a tech entrepreneur as well as an entertainer in the entertainment business. I'm kind of curious as to how those two paths sort of merged for you. Could you tell us a bit about your story? Uh, first of all, I love labels, uh, and they haven't merged. Um, okay. <laughs> here's the beauty. There is no merging. It's just a name that we call it. It's a question of what, what we do with our time, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I would say... In a sound bite, I have a web development company, and we've been doing that for 20 years, mm-hmm. and an entertainment production company, which we've been doing for about 25. And the combination of the two sort of fulfills my intention, which is to, uh, well, well, my intention is that life is a miracle. And actually, if I were to beat it out into the, the proper sentence, life, life is an F dash 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 ing miracle which is actually what I usually say, but we're on the air. Right, right. Okay. So bands with, bands with an F, ends with a K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, it's, it's, it's in process. Yes, it's very, very good. So let's talk a little bit about the title that you chose, this idea of intentionality as business. Um, that's what we're talking about for today's story. So other than life being a miracle, what is intentionality to you? What does this mean? And why is integrity such a key component of that? Well, it's funny that we're having this conversation because how long has it been since The Secret came out? You know, here's a movie, uh, or What the Bleep Do We Know? Remember that movie? We're having the same conversation, The Power of Intention. What most of us don't understand from the world that got opened up in the conversations that started is what an intention is and what we're creating. Uh, That's the first thing. And let's talk about the word intention. Intention really involves three things. It intention it, it involves an individual setting something that they're creating in the world. It is an individual having a group dynamic such that what we're creating in the world is present in that group. And then it's taking it to society at large and creating that intention everywhere. Right? Um, and I... I, I will say that everybody on this planet acts with intentionality, and here's why. If you wanna learn what you're committed to in life, just look where you are, right? Am I committed if, uh, if for example, uh, 
you want to go faster on land in a vehicle than anyone else has ever gone, and uh, you're still 40 kilometers per hour slower than the fastest, then you are committed to not being as fast as the fastest car. So what you're gonna do is be constituted to create the fastest car, and at some point, it will happen. That's the idea of being committed to an intention. Um, can we rewind this whole thing? What is, yeah, bro, yeah, bro, yeah, this, yeah, sure. Here we are. So what was your question? Let me see if I get that right. What you're saying is, if your intention was to become the fastest car, but you're staying 40 kilometers slower, the fact you're staying there really speaks to your true intention, which is to actually be slower. So ultimately, what you manifest is actually what your intention is, irregardless of what you've stated. Did I get that right? right? That's right. No matter, I mean, obviously, you don't run around hospitals going, your fault, your fault, you created this disease. That's ridiculous. Um, but as someone very wise once said to me, if you get a flat on the highway, um, it may or may not be your fault. But if you still have that flat two weeks later, whose fault is it? Right? So how does, how does that uh, impact organizations in terms of the intentionality to be more inclusive or the intentionality to have more transparency? where companies sometimes fail of that. What is your thoughts on that and, and perhaps your own personal experience? I, I don't think intentionality and integrity have anything to do with transparency. Let me give you an example. BP oil spilled how many gazillion gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico? Now, did they do that in order to poison the Gulf of Mexico? No. But what happened is they create, they live in an entire world that's driven by one thing and that's the shareholders. So their intention is to give a return to the shareholders, which is in many cases, except for this recent outcropping of what a hundred CEOs that say they're gonna redrive the intentionality of their companies has so, so far been that. And there's no transparency in that, but their intention is clear. We want our stock to go up, right? Uh, so I, I didn't mean to sidestep your question, but let's talk about the intentionality of somebody who wanted to free India from the British, Mahatma Gandhi. He was really constituted toward one thing, and that one thing is to have India have its own system of government separate from the colonialism of India. He didn't have a lot of money. He certainly actually took a vow of poverty, and a vow of chastity, which I heard his wife was not happy about, um, and set himself to do that. I think, I'm not gonna speak to Elon Musk's intention. I think his intention is to have a whole lot of fun creating some awesome stuff. That, that's where I see Elon Musk's intention. Now, if you break down his companies, whether it's the solar panels, whether it's the cars, or whether it's SpaceX, he has an intentionality to get mankind off this planet, off this planet in a sustainable way. Period. That's it. And everything, everybody he's hired around SpaceX is there. He has an intentionality to create an electric car that is the Ferrari of electric cars. I, I'm not going to speak for him, but that's probably it. Well, he's done that. And he's also made it available to consumers. Solar City. I'm actually calling. So it's not Solar City anymore. It's Tesla. Um, I'm actually talking to them about putting tiles on my house. All right. This is. It's very clear what Elon Musk is doing, and. If you work for him, boy, you're going to be working toward that goal because he's going to be working harder than you. 
So his intentionality is to have a whole lot of fun by taking men and women, let's say women and men to other planets to create a car that's sustainable. Oh, uh, to creating a solar power that's ubiquitous. Oh, and let me add the fourth, which is to bear, to, to bore uh, a whole underground and completely transform transportation, right? Uh, I, I'm pretty much good doing one thing at a time. I'm no Elon Musk. <laughs> so, so let's get back to this idea of Seventh Planet and the intentionality with you and your company. I understand that the heart of your business, something about the story starting with an orange. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, last time I did Dojo Live, I'm doing it again because it's fun. Uh, I talked about uh, a web client having a conversation with me right at the beginning of the process. And a site goal is a very, very important thing to have, which I'd say maybe 5% of clients have at the beginning of the conversation. And I say to people, if I put an orange in the middle of your screen and that's all your website was, and was bringing a million dollars a year into your company, would you change it? I have never heard someone say yes, not once in 20 years, because their goal is to drive revenue with a website. And if it brings in a million dollars, why would I put bells and whistles and banners and click two here's and special offers and all the other thing that they're gonna eventually dump their money into on, the, on this website process. Uh, if the website is, uh, is just an orange, it took them two minutes to make uh, and it's putting in a million dollars a year. So um, I'm taking the next step in the conversation, which is saying driving revenue is a horrible intention. It is the most useless intention, and there is no reason an orange should ever make your business a million dollars a year. And if it does, uh, something weird happened or you somehow cheated the system. The reality is your website will drive revenue if people want to spend their money there, right? I think so. And uh, let's drive a little deeper. Why do they want to spend their money? Because you offer a product or a service that people want. What's your product or service? Let me name one. Uh, I'm doing a site for a Pilates school that also does uh, rehab uh, right now, physical therapy, pre-postnatal, uh, completely redesigning the website. At the end of the day, my client wants people to walk in the door and to sign up for classes, but that's not my client's intention. Here's my client's intention, to bring Pilates and the stuff that he has learned to as many people as is humanly possible and help their lives. Now, that's worth a lot of money if you're on the other end of that. Um, if you're having hip surgery and you need rehab and you couldn't walk six months ago and you start with this company, uh, within a couple of months, you're gonna be not only back to where you were before the hip surgery, but you're gonna be at the next level. And uh, if I tell someone who's about to get hip surgery, uh, if I told you you could do that for X dollars, would you pay it? Uh, and the answer is no, uh, then that's a completely and utterly different conversation, which is what it's worth. But I believe at the end of a year, it's worth a million dollars. If you get a very clear intentionality that your goal is to give Pilates to as many people as possible and transform their lives. Now, let's say, let's say the client starts drinking. Is that an integrity with bringing Pilates to people and transforming their lives? Probably not. Uh, well, maybe probably not four years later. You could probably be a functioning alcoholic for four years before you show up with 
alcohol in your breath for a class and everything goes haywire. Uh, can you deliver what my client wants to deliver um, and uh, have a studio that's dumpy? Probably not. Well, my client has a really nice studio, but nobody knows about it. That's you know, a separate conversation. Or people know about it, but not on the level that he wants. Uh, at the end of the day, I'd love to create for him an orange, but that's not his intention. His intention, and so the website we're creating for him delivers the message, these three words. We boiled it down to, we rebuild people. That's it. That's the message, that's the orange. If you need rebuilding, you go to this company. If you need a workout on a stationary bike where you check your pulse every three moments and talk, three minutes and talk on the phone, his business is not for you. You know, it's a Seth Godin principle, even. You know, Apple is only creating its business products and services for a certain subset of people who want to think different, right? My client is only delivering a service for people who want to be rebuilt. So, so is there a process that you follow with your clients or to help them identify their intention? Or do your clients come with you to you with their intentions already in mind? It's really interesting you ask that question. I had a meeting with a client and we weren't getting anywhere. All right. I, it was, I was kind of getting an idea. They were telling me what they want rather than what they want to accomplish. Does that make sense? Uh, I, want a, I want a website. Uh, with a contact form. I want a website uh, with a picture of me doing Pilates. Okay, but why? So finally, after about 45 minutes, I said, all right, let's do this. And I promise you, uh, the conversation is going to transform. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to walk and I'm going to talk to you for about a minute. And I want you to look at me carefully from a Pilates instructor's, instructor's point of view. And we did. I said, all right, what's wrong with me? What could be improved? And he made a whole list of things. You have slightly kyphotic hips. I can tell you have a hip problem. Speaking of hip surgery, I may get some soon. Different conversation. Uh, he told me that, uh, sorry, I'm slightly kyphotic on my shoulders, which is true. I tend to put my, and I'm like, that's what he does. That's what this man does. He takes you, he looks at you, and he figures out how he can rebuild you. And then we ended up with, we rebuild people. And everything else fell away. And I was able to make a site map for him overnight. So Eric, I'm curious, uh, we just went through a similar exercise and I'm really curious to, to learn the, the difference, uh, at least get your perspective on it. So, and one of the things we did is we identified our values, like what we value individually, and then came up with a purpose for what this show was supposed to be about based on those values with the intention that those values would attract similar people. Is there a difference between purpose and intention in terms of building your brand? And what is the difference if that if that if that's the case? All right. Well, I'm going to tell you that all we're using is words. So when you say purpose, what do you mean by purpose? Well, so for example, one of the things that what aligned with our values, which was to empower people, to educate people. Those are some of the values we talked about. What we came up with was that our purpose was to help bridge the cultural gap in society that is the purpose and then how we're doing that is through storytelling and through the show and through the formats we created but our intention is to help to empower to bridge cultural gaps through storytelling is there a gap in terms of what we came up with as a purpose versus the intentionality or are the two 
synonymous with each other. I'm just really curious to learn the difference. If there Ready is to have your head go like this? There is no gap. Don't make us cry. <laughs> There's absolutely no gap between cultures other than what we create. The reason you and I don't have a gap right now is because we speak the same actual language. If we were doing this in Spanish, it would be quite a challenge for me. Um, if we were doing this in uh, Croatian, uh, it would be a miracle, right? Uh, aside from the, the common language we're using, um, there is no gap between cultures. We have created every border we have and borders don't exist. We have created a, a, a difference we, we have created a difference among cultures based only what exists on the surface. And I'll give you two words that will completely enlighten that conversation, which is family values. You know, we've been throwing that around. Who doesn't have family values? There are certain people who may be addicted to drugs or may have been abused when they were younger or had a horrible family situations that don't have those same family values. And there is something for those people, and that's called therapy. Other than that, the rest of us, we all have some family values. I love my kids. I hope you love your kids. I love my dad. I take care of my dad. There is no cultural gap in between there. Uh, does anybody like to eat? I think we like to eat. The real conversations are in that area. They're not in about what a president might have said. They're not about in what a foreigner or what an immigrant is. The reality is everybody can relate to everybody else on a ground level, and there is no gap as long as we speak the same language. We can always bring in translators. So, I will agree with you 100% on that. Absolutely. I would not. But, 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 Good. I like to hear that. The, the, you know, in an idealistic world, that is the truth. But mm -hmm. we don't live in an idealistic world. We live in a reality where, unfortunately, there are things that come in between that reality, such as egos and misunderstandings and and nationalism and all these other things that we've given power to or value to that unfortunately create some kind of disconnect sometimes between cultures and between people specifically with beliefs and so on unfortunately that is the reality we live in we're facing it we see it we see the polarizing differences in our culture right here in the u.s right now we're experiencing it so you know i think enlightening and bringing awareness that we are no different and that is really the whole point is that if people would just learn from each other and see that we are not different, that we are having the same intentions, that we all want the same thing, then ultimately, yes, we can practice that in reality. But I, I, I think we're far from that truth as a society in general, unfortunately, well, today. So how do we question? How do we help shift that so that there's more of the mindset of what you presented, which is let's stop thinking there is a difference, let's connect. How do we right. ship? I would like to clarify that I think that fundamentally there's only one culture. There's there's the human race. And I and I agree with that. Um, but I do think that culture goes beyond language in the sense of what is perceived as acceptable or what is perceived as the best way to go about doing something. And sometimes we can have these sort of clashes, right? So let's say, for example, me as an American, an extremely direct communicator, if I were to receive someone in my home, let's say from perhaps a Middle Eastern culture, and they come in late from the air flight, or, you know, their flight or whatever, and I say, hey, would you like something to eat? And they're going to tell me, no, no, thank you. I'm fine, even though they're absolutely starving because in their culture, it's rude to say yes, please, at the, at the onsite. 
right? But me thinking as an American, I'm like, oh, cool, weird. He's not hungry, but sure. And now I don't offer anything. And now my guest goes to bed hungry thinking, God, what a rude host. And I go to bed thinking, geez, like weird. I would expect him to be hungry, right? And so there's this perhaps, and I think that's what we're trying when we say bridging cultural gaps. It's not necessarily the fundamental differences, but recognizing these nuances from person to person, company to company, and how we might be able to overcome some of those things um, for the betterment, right? This idea that it's not necessarily right or wrong, it's just different, and being able to identify some of those differences in order to function better together. Okay. Uh, let, let me ask you a couple of questions, really. Ready? Okay, the name of the person from the Middle East coming, her name is Leila, okay, and she's coming to your house. What could you do to make sure Leila was happy, and what could Leila do to make sure that when she visits the United States, she gets fed? Well, I think that there's this idea of trying to, obviously, I mean, well, you can study, you can look, you can read, you can talk to people. Um, some of it has to do just with experience, um, this willingness to be honest and transparent, um, to get over your own sort of reservations. Um, I mean, there's lots of different things that I think we could do as as people, right, to prevent those types of or making those types of interactions better. And Layla is hungry and Layla comes to the house and says, she, and says she doesn't want to eat anything. So what you do is you leave food out for her. Say, I know you may not be hungry now, but you might be hungry later. Here's some food for you. And there's no conversation that needs to be had. You did what you knew to be right. Layla knew what she did to be right. And the fact is she cares about you and you care about her. Yes, but I think you hit on a key point and that's your insight as the host, Eric, to know that you should leave some food out going beyond this direct form of communication that we as Americans are so used to doing, you know, that a yes is yes and as a no is no and thinking beyond ourselves and thinking, you know what, Layla's probably not as direct as me and just in case, I'm gonna leave this for her. So I think that's the conversation. I think that's the, the experience that not everyone has had or knows to have. Mm. And we're we're a global community now, so this is this is. Uh, I mean, ideally, what you're saying, Eric, is people should take accountability for themselves. 100% agree, and should make the effort. But that's not, unfortunately, the reality for a lot of folks. Like I grew up in Europe, and it was not okay to go and open someone's refrigerator in someone's house. That's not culturally okay there. Whereas in the U.S., someone says, "Yeah, serve yourself. It's okay to open someone's refrigerator and grab yourself a bottle of water." There, it's not. So I had to learn a different way based on the culture. And unfortunately, uh, in school, you don't get educated about those kinds of things, right? So you've got these kids coming out growing up in a reality where there's a disconnect when they go to another country or they go into a different state or a different city. So yes, ideally, we should all be accountable and we should all take responsibility for ourselves. But wow. that's not happening. So how do we help make that change? You, you talk about intentionality. What, could, what are some key things that people can adopt Okay. Selves, let, let, help them be more intentional. Let, let me give you a perfect answer to that question that I sort of discovered for myself. All right. Do you believe in discipline? Being, I, don't, I don't mean like my wife getting in the costume. I mean like discipline. Like actual discipline, taking care of your life, making sure things happen the way you want, maybe getting up at 6.30 and exercising before you eat, eating healthy food, taking care of yourself. Do you believe in it? I absolutely do. Okay, so do I. And I also recognize that that word discipline is complete and utter garbage. Here's why. The hardest thing any of us ever had to do was learn to walk, right? 
How many times did we fall? Thousands. How disciplined are babies? Not at all. But here's what babies have. They have a desire to stand because it's the most important thing they're doing right now. And they will fail a thousand times and they'll never be like, what if people make fun of me? What if I fall? You know, oh, uh, I have flat feet. You know, they don't have any of that garbage. And the entire culture around them supports their standing. They get help from everybody because everybody knows that they want to stand. And when they fall in a funny way, people make sure that that fall wasn't so bad, so they'll try standing again. If we take accountability, as you call it, and we take it a step farther, uh, right now, you, Dojo Live is creating accountability within its own confines to have a conversation about cross-culture um, and what you perceive to be the gap. So you are actually taking accountability for all your listeners and living that. Um, so accountability starts personally, but then accountability starts with intentionality beyond that. Uh, I hope by the end of this conversation, you're going to see that life is a miracle. And if you don't see that life is a miracle, then I'm not taking accountability for the group I'm in right now. Then from this group, if there's a, I'd like to hang out with a bunch of people who, whose intention is that life is a miracle. Let's go out and create that in the world. And that's the third step. It's individual accountability, group accountability, world accountability. So what you're doing is exactly that, I think, which is taking individual accountability, I mean, uh, for traveling and getting to know other people and understanding the gap, creating these dojo live groups of four where we have a conversation, and then brought, how many listeners do we have? Quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah. So a show have a thousand of listeners, and then there's obviously the follow-on that comes from there. So too. we have a thousand people here who are hopefully hopefully just a little bit, given our conversation, they're gonna walk in with the intentionality that life is a miracle at the end of this. But first of all, I gotta work on you guys. Work on us. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, I have my own, I would agree, I think fundamentally that yes, life is a miracle, but could you please expand um, that? I know what I interpret that to be. What is that for you? Uh, that is all about my ego. <laughs> and here's what it is. Um, First of all, ego is another word we made up, doesn't exist, uh, meaning that we don't have to beat ourselves up for living a fight or flight response or not saying the right thing at the right time. We're just living in these, in these bodies. Um, if you look with any curiosity at the world, Yesterday, I was taking my son to soccer practice and saw a tree that was crawling with ants, just all the way up and, and down the tree. And, and I'm watching where they're coming out from and where they're going to. And I recognized that probably three months before, those same ants were living there doing that, these, these little tiny consciousness completely out of my life, not even in my life. And I walked into the middle of something fascinating and miraculous. Now, if you look at every single person you see today and realize that that person woke up and said, oh my gosh, I'm facing today, and wondering where they came from. Uh, they may have come from a, an impoverished family with 12 people living in a one bedroom apartment, or they may be a billionaire running uh, uh, an airline, Richard Branson. Uh, their perspective 
to me is fascinating. And that, that, those are the stuff of myths and stories. And you know, imagine uh, the rich man having a child and, and, the, and, and, and the poor person having the child and they switch. Oh, we got a Mark Twain story. You know, it's all part of the curiosity coming from the individual that leads one to recognize that this is amazing. This is amazing. Uh, 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 Kim, uh, where are you right now? I'm in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico, a couple hours south of Tucson, Arizona. Julio, you're in San Francisco. Carlos, where are you? Oh, are you? No, I'm right here. I'm in Mexico City. We're having a one-on-one, -on -one, we're four, four on four, I don't know. We're having a conversation right now. And I'm looking at you and neither of you actually exists in front of me. In fact, all you are is spliced I mean, I guess coordinated particles and switching stations that have created these three very, very attractive people in front of me. Uh, and, and yet I can tell, for example, that Kim went, aw shucks. That experience of not even being near you, Kim, but knowing what you were saying and what you meant, I don't know, 2,000 miles away is a miracle. I challenge anyone here to explain how this moment happened with technology, we can't. There's no way. I can't. I somebody probably can't. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody can explain it, but that person wouldn't quite be able to explain your reaction. You know, how do you explain that? That's a biochemical thing that you communicated because you were feeling it. You thought it was funny in the moment. That I just sitting here took in and went, "Oh, I've seen that movement before, and I know what she was saying, but she didn't say a word." Please explain that. Give me, give me a shrink to explain that. Well, Eric, certainly I love your perspective. We're unfortunately coming up on time. <laughs> In fact, we're up on time. Uh, and before we wrap it up, would love to just get any final words of wisdom. I, I mean, I love your perspective. I think, I think there's a lot that can be learned from simplifying the way we see things and perhaps perceive things. And certainly intentionality plays a big role in that. And I heard also gratitude plays a big role in that. Uh, any final last words of wisdom you'd like to share with the audience and uh, specific to your topic? Today? Yeah, I, I, I would say this, that I'm not going to say anything that hasn't been said before, but I'll just say it in my way. If you really figure out an intention that works for you, that makes life worth living, where you will throw the covers off your bed and go do it all day, every day, knowing that it might change, but right now you're real happy doing it, Start from there and then figure out how you can bring it to a wider circle of people and then to the widest circle of people. And always remember that a baby falls a thousand times before he or she learns to walk for the first time with any ability. Uh, but you know what? Uh, you're going to wake up happy that you're doing it. Um, your intention will have integrity and that business will flourish. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you for being our guest today. It's been a pleasure having you here. Certainly, you'd love to have an additional conversation with you. We're both in LA. Maybe we can make that happen offline. I'd love that. That would be great. Talk for hours. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Carlos. And until next time. Yes, thank you very much. It's a pleasure talking with you and meeting you, Eric. It's great talking with you guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.
Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com. <laughs>